Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Mikey Stafford here. Hope you're all well. Uh, we're talking football first in the company of Kieran Whelan, uh, Michael Foley of the Sunday Times, and Rory O'Neill. How are we all, gents? Good, Mikey. Good, Mikey. Good, Very good. good. Yeah, look, it wasn't a vintage weekend of football. I don't think we were really expecting a vintage weekend of football, but, you know, I think that matchup in Ulster surprised a lot of us. And Cork, lads, you came away with a valuable two moral points there. It's a moral victory. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go, go, go easy on the lads, Mikey. Uh, Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. That's all right. That's all right. Okay, get on the chin. I have, I have, I have reams of evidence here for the, for, for yeah. the defence. So. Well, <laughs> Wexford didn't get any moral victories against Dublin last weekend, so don't worry. I'm not in a glass house throwing stones here. Or I was. The glass house is now shattered. It's been a, t- it's been a, t- it's been a tough few weeks, Mick. Uh, it's, been, it's been real. It's been real. Well, look, we'll, we'll spare you that because that match was Saturday and I think we've all we'll, we'll leave it till second because I, I do think that match above in Clonus yesterday Wheelo, it, it was it was remarkable it was a proper Ulster Championship match and the kind of reductive thinking out there now is that Jesus Donegal they went back to the 2012 tactic of lumping it onto the edge of the square to Michael Murphy that's not really true though they took no. two shocking took- attempts at goal that looped up they weren't it wasn't a sexy diagonal ball onto the edge of the square they were two balls that had ice on them when they came down yeah. and they somehow ended up in the net absolutely absolutely Mike. no <laughs> doubt like it was it was the lads were going for points there was no doubt about it and it was this that's the look of it if it drops in there uh but like yeah, great game. And, you know, I, I'm sure Kevin are probably waking up this morning thinking, God, they had a chance, you know, they did have a chance. And reflecting on it last night, you can kind of, you could argue, is that Kevin team nearly better than the Kevin team that won the Ulster Championship a couple of years ago? Uh, when you look Fine, at man. you look at what they've got now in terms of James Smith, uh, obviously Th- Thomas Galligan, uh, Paddy Lynch up front, uh you know, the, between the four of them and even McKiernan, they were very reliable on McKiernan in the past, but they're big physical players now. And they mixed the game up yesterday. They caused Donegal a lot of problems in their full back line. You know, Smith moving in and out. Paddy Lynch looks a right handful. Uh, Galligan kicked one off the left, one off the right. And then McKiernan came into it kind of in the second half. They have a lot They have a lot of quality players. They might be a little bit suspect at the back in terms of Donegal probably got their scores too easy. But they're, they'll reflect now, and it's probably a little bit disappointing they are going into the Talton Cup because if they weren't, you'd be kind of saying, Jesus, they'd be, they'd be, they'd be dangerous enough, you know. But uh, from a Donegal perspective, you know, you look at them and you kind of say, yeah, attacking half, back line, on McHugh, on Bombs, brilliant. Patter Mogan was excellent carrying the ball forward. They're, they're, they're still one of the top teams at creating chances, and they've great line runners. They can break the game line, you know. If you were to be critical of them in two ways, somewhat sometimes you'd like them to mix it up a bit and and maybe use Murphy more on the edge of the square, move the ball that bit quicker because they've great talent throughout the team. And then I think secondly, their, their defense lacks a bit of energy at times, uh, and just in terms of the intensity they bring, you know. And uh, you just want them to you feel that there's another gear in them, 
after uh, watching them yesterday. Like they're they, they, they've serious talent. Like Jamie Brennan kicking four points yesterday. That's a big lift for them. Uh, but you feel that there's another gear in them that they can improve. They can get better. Uh, but I'd say they came out of yesterday thinking, yeah, we got two fortunate goals at the right time, which probably probably disguised the scoreline a bit. You know. Yeah. There. The Murphy uh, kind of in jest make at the start about the kind of the, the, the going back to the 2012 game plan and playing the diagonal to the edge of the square. But it was noticeable in the first half when things weren't going their way, especially when you watched the highlights back last night. Like, you nearly saw more of Michael Murphy inside his own 14 yard line and then inside the Cavan 14 yard line. And, you know, it it's it's more pronounced than the Aidan O'Shea debate, you know, the tire, tiresome Aidan O'Shea debate, because really there's only two positions for Murphy, really. it's either midfield or full forward, and um, you can get the impression sometimes that a game can pass him by at midfield, clearly it's not, but he, he you almost feel like those big Michael Murphy moments nearly always come closer to goal. Well, I suppose they're big because they do come close, do you know what I mean, like they're, <laughs> yeah. they're usually scoring opportunities or he's driving through the middle or he's setting something up or like, like the other day, I know he He's, you know, breaking the ball or he's he's causing just his mere like, presence. His mere presence, like I mean, that was probably part of it for the for the first goal, anyhow. Like I, I don't know, I'm not sure. Well, it, it's, it's hard to know what the keeper was seeing from where he was the ball coming in. But if Murphy hadn't been there, would the keeper have stood back? Would he have stood off? I don't know. But like, yeah, look, this is a, that's a debate about Michael Murphy that's been gone gone on since the boy was probably 18 or 19. You know, where they've kind of at one stage they needed two of them, three of them. Uh, no, they could do with probably two still or, do with two of them, two or three of them, yeah. They probably would like nothing changes. I mean, of all the teams, even even when they were winning all Ireland's and, and winning and all Ireland and competing at that level, like you know, there was very few teams in Ireland were so reliant on the presence of one person, you know. I mean, he was an ex- he's an extraordinary player. And where you put him, it's probably, I'd say, they've probably settled at this stage that they'll just see. How a game pans out and go with it, you know. I there was one stage where it looked like full forward was going to be his thing, but now they've they've kind of changed it again. Um, but look, I I'd say from a Cavan perspective, by the way, I I fancied them to give him a right rattle, you know. Um, like and as Kieran said, it's it's slightly unfortunate that they're going into the second tier competition now because they're probably had they're probably a couple of strides ahead of everybody in that. Um, but like they were like. They came back. I mean, you think of last year, they were completely riddled by injuries last year. Um, but the thing that the thing that struck me, even from chatting to a few guys up there last year or last week, was that even though things kind of went wrong last year, they got relegated to Division Four and they lost to Tyrone, no one stepped away, which was a very uncavin thing to happen. Everybody stayed, you know. And as Kieran said again, they're like, I mean, they augmented it. No, with a couple of more players. Like Mickey Graham is doing a very, very good job. I, I had a feeling if there was going to be, I thought that they, they would go very, very close. Um, I thought they were they were kind of nicely set up for it. The way they absolutely annihilated Antrim kind of said, these guys are playing with a bit of an edge, you know, they're playing with a bit mm. of a chip on their shoulder. Um, and hopefully they'll give the Talchin Cup a good go and win the bloody thing if they can. And that just pushes them on. They'll have had another month or two together they have a couple more matches and it, it'll bring them on. Like for Donegal, like Michael Murphy is one aspect. Michael Murphy is the perennial aspect. What do you do with him? Again, the other issue for Donegal, I would suggest, is they need to be winning Ulster now, given given the teams that are left, you know. Um, Monaghan will be on a par with them. I would say Derry are slightly behind them. Um, they'd want to be winning it, because this is always the question with Donegal, is taking that that step up, winning that game that brings you up another notch, 
which they've kind of not managed to do over the last couple of years. So that's, I suppose that's the challenge for them now is to clean off Ulster and go and do a job in an All-Ireland quarterfinal. Yeah. Uh, Rory, what did you make of it? Because, uh, like, you know, on the one hand, we're kind of criticising Donegal for, you know, making it difficult, uh, but also praising Cavan for being, you know, better than a Division 4 team. Um, maybe we're getting too used to sticking it into Donegal, but, like, it's... This idea again, and just to come back to it, that you know, like let's put Michael Murphy on the edge of the square and let's let's utilize him that way. I wonder, do they have the players out the field to do that now? Because they've become such a running team, as you know, we said last week. Well, what's plan A, Gooch? Run the ball. What's plan B? Run the ball harder. Like, do they have a Carl Lacey type? Like, do they have someone who can you know can you know ping a fifty-yard diagonal ball on top of Michael Murphy's head? I'd say, like, I mean, like. They... They, have, they do have good, very good footballers like Ryan McHugh and uh, Owen Bon Gallagher. Like as Willow mentioned about their half back line, like a lot of those lads, I, 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 excellent footballers. Can they mix it up? I mean, it's just it's been the traditions in Donegal football for however long, you know. It's like going back way even before Jim McGuinness's time. So I don't know if they're if you're if you're if you're ever going to get them to change too much about what they do. I think what they will take from yesterday is. They were kind of on a bit of a hiding to nothing, really. Like, they were heavily fancied by most people to win the game, irrespective of how they won it. And now I think they will actually take quite a bit from it in that they've gotten over the line. Bit of sque- it was a bit squeaky in that it was 14-all with, with, with 60 minutes on the clock. So people are kind of saying, again, Donegal are back into that same situation where people feel, do we really trust them that they can can um, consistently produce championship performances time after time and that 70 minute performance to go on and really have a real cut off this because as Jer mentioned in the podcast last week like there is a great opportunity there for a team on the other side of the draw to make an All-Ireland final given that obviously the other side is stacked with the two big sharks likely to meet each other in the other semi-final so I think it's a good opportunity for them and I think that to a certain degree the sort of stop-start nature of their performance yesterday has probably reduced any notions that people would have had about them. And I think it probably sends them into an Ulster final, not necessarily under the radar. They'll probably win as favourites, as Mick said, but with a lot less expectation hanging over them. And I think that will free them up a bit. Like, I don't know, they just seem to kind of seize up a small bit whenever they are labelled with the favourites tag, which is what they had again yesterday. And I thought that kind of shone true at times and their performance was a little nervy. Mm. But I think I, they take plenty from it. I think, Mikey, I think they can mix it up. Like, I, I don't think, yeah, they're, they're very, they are a very good running team. And they're, they're, they're great guys that can take scores from distance and stuff like that. But I think in order to mix it up, they have to have that structure up front. And that's where Murphy comes into it. Like, Paddy McBrady's your in, typical inside forward that likes to get the ball and come on the loop and likes to get the ball, pan pass to him. He's he's not necessarily a primary bow winner as much as he won the second one that came into him for the goal and stuff like that. Where Murphy is probably the one guy when he's out around the middle that tries to kick the ball in. But mm-hmm. they've known in there really that, you know, Jamie Brennan's not, again, small enough guy in that inside line. So I I, I think they can mix it up by, by leaving Murphy in there. And Mur- I think Murphy tend Murphy tends to come out the field when they're not going well, mm. you know, and I think he is a free role. I think Bonner gives him a free role and says, listen, you, you call it, you drift in and out. And maybe they just have to put a little bit more structure around the forward line and hold him in there for longer periods, because it's not as if they have a weak midfield, you know, Jason McGee, 
Hugh, Hugh McFadden. McFadden. You know, yeah. you have Michael Langan that's able to feed a ball. You have Thompson able to feed a ball. They have plenty of big guys around mm. the middle. Um, so I, I just think maybe they have their structure has to be a little bit more defined uh, rather than kind of ad hoc. And they could, they, I think they can mix it up. I de- definitely think they can mix it up. And that's, I suppose, they probably got in the habit of this running game when they're coming up against extra defenders and plus ones and mm. plus twos at the whole possession, you know. But the, if mm. the opportunity is there, they can definitely mix it up. Yeah, like everybody plays a running game. No, they have to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, you have to hold the ball. I mean, literally, it's one of the kind of more uh, at the risk of no sounding like you know an old timer type, but like you know the big roar before the throw in, and then it descends into a kind of sixty seconds of murmuring when the the team whoever wins yeah. the ball <laughs> usually ends up passing it back and forth sideways, waiting for the gap. That's just an nature. That's an nature running game. I, I, I think Tony Gall have tried under Declan Bonner. I think they have tried to vary up their game. Um, I think from when he took over, it needed such a kind of a, a change around. It was a lot needed to be changed in terms of the way they went at it and, and the type of player that was coming through. Um, so I think they have they have tried to vary it up. But again, I suppose it's like a lot of things like when you're under pressure, you go back to type, don't you? Sometimes, you know, if you don't if you don't have that thing drilled into you, you will go back to type a little bit. And maybe that happens to Donny Gallas Marvel as well. When when they're in those big games, maybe they just they kind of fall back on the things that they've been doing since they were kids and the things that, that were kind of drilled into them through development squads and so on and so forth, uh, rather yeah. than just varying it up a little bit more like you're talking about. But I think I have tried. Yeah. Um, Rory, it, it was a game that displayed quite very starkly and very clearly the importance of a goalkeeper. And that's what, I don't say good goalkeeper because obviously Raymond Galligan is a very good goalkeeper. He proved that over the last few years. He just... He had a Michael Murphy moment. <laughs> you can't. You couldn't. You almost couldn't blame him. Did but Murphy, more... did, was was that a free out though? Did he? Did Murphy push the boys as they were going up for the first one? I I got a sense that he. Now look, I mean, you wouldn't blame Conor Lane, who I thought had. Actually, I think they just uh, got sucked into his gravitational pull, Rory. But he was in behind him, and I th- I thought he kind of gave him. It was real shame, Starby esque little mm-hmm. nudge. I'm in the blind side here. No one's going to spot me. I just pushed him, and all three of them seemed to go forward, which kind of cleared the decks for the goal to go in. Maybe I'm wrong. I, yeah. I need to see it again. But but at the other end, Sean Patton save, and also it's yeah. just his excellent. Uh, you know, his restarts or something else. Like he has a foot like a howitzer, but that save was quite remarkable. Yeah, and you're like. Your goalkeeper is still if like to read to to you know like if you want to win, if you want to go deep, and if you want to you you ha- a, a number one is absolutely crucial. We saw Saturday night in Parky Ring, you know, like I mean Cork were bringing a fella on who I don't think he ever played in goal, did he? No, <laughs> he, he was corner kind of forward for his like he was about the fourth or fifth uh, choice keeper. You know? yeah. and and if you even look look if you look at the situation around Dublin. I mean, they chopped and changed a bit since Stephen Cluxton is gone. Obviously, Evan Comerford was considered next in line. He's still injured, I think. And they land a fella in for his very first appearance. So, like, it'll give you an indication of, you know, it's hard to find a really good one. And if you do have a good one like Patton and Galligan, the value that they bring, I wouldn't fault either of them. You know, I thought Patton is, Patton is excellent. And, um, I mean, he's another one with a siege gun boot, can bomb it long. You know, as Rilo said, they do have options at midfield and maybe that's an option that maybe they should utilise a bit more often. But, um, yeah, like I think, yeah, the one thing I will say, and I don't know whether we'll get into this later or not, I thought it was very interesting, the comments by Mickey Graham afterwards and when he was asked about the Talchin Cup 
and he said, um, and I was kind of half expecting him to say it, and I was glad when he did, but he said, yeah, look, that's going to be a fantastic development competition for us. We've loads of young lads here who, who are going to need football. And thinking about this before we know, like that's kind of how we were seeing that this competition is going to play out. It's basically going to become a glorified under 21 competition for the first couple of rounds where you throw in young lads and you get a feel for it. And then if you make a semi-final or a final, you might go, Jez, we might have a crack off winning it then. Become the FA Cup. I would say Ar- the Carling Cup. Cup. The Carling Cup. <laughs> uh, More like the Carling Cup. Well, yeah. we will, we, let's mention, because we were going to discuss it, um, We because it, it, it does, it gets closer and closer and it seems to get a little bit vaguer and vaguer because even Andy Moran, after the match yesterday, he was saying... He, he was a bit disappointed it wasn't around Robin. It was never going to be around Robin because New York are in it, let's be honest. But he also didn't know that it'd been, it was going to be divided into North and South. Um, obviously, this is to uh, save mileage, I guess. Um, but, um, you know, it seems a little bit vague. It's not clear yet when the draw is. Like, um, certain counties managers are saying we're going to commit. Others are saying, shrugging their shoulders and saying, I don't know who I'm going to have. And Mickey Graham is being brutally honest there in a kind of a sideways kind of a way. So... The Cheltenham Cup, we still don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, we don't. And uh, if you were to look coldly at it now, Mikey, you're probably saying it's it's the Tommy Murphy Cup in disguise again. You know, the direction possibly that we're, we're heading, which is disappointing because uh, I, I think obviously with the very compact season, you know, everybody spoke about this second competition, how it was important for the weaker counties to develop and get games. And Andy Moran touched on that, that he felt, you know, a group system where they get three quality games rather than just going in and one one game and you're gone. Um, the, like the biggest challenge for the weaker counties probably in the last, you know, all all the time is the turnover of players mm. uh, and players maybe going to America and they don't really get to actually develop players, work on their strength and conditioning, bring guys in, get develop that consistency. They have a significant turnover of players every year. So if they're going to take the step up to the next level, they have to have a proper competition. And everybody said at the start, everyone's saying it has to be promoted, it has to be marketed, it has to be given the same attention. The TV schedules don't probably allow that because it's such a compact season. Um, you have the U- US challenge you know you know in terms of maybe young players traveling away and already some managers are saying they don't know where they're going to be at so the outlook for the next few weeks doesn't doesn't look good which is disappointing if i'm being honest with you um and and because we all pushed for this we all saw in provincial games there was absolutely no benefit to weaker counties getting a 20 21 point hammering and going into the qualifiers and being beaten again they needed something purposeful to go after we see we see what it means for counties even to win Division Three titles or four titles in the league, and how important they treat that. Um, so it's, I think it's worrying, worrying few weeks ahead, Mikey, in terms of uh, the overall profile of that new competition. But, but, I, did, I didn't know it was being split north and south. I have to yeah. say, I wasn't aware. But then, but but but, but even but even take the final, Mikey, right? And like I'll ask Mick because obviously it'd be you know look, everyone keeps talking about TV and like as if coverage or for some reason is the. Uh, is the raison d'etre for playing for tournaments and football competitions. But anyway, so the final is going to be played on the 9th of July. Now, all things being equal, Dublin play their All-Ireland semi-finals on Saturday nights. That has been more or less a standard fixture setting for the last four or five years, right? Dublin have played Saturday nights and the Colchies come up on the Sunday. So the reality is it's going to be Dublin and Kerry probably on Saturday night. That, and that'll be... The, uh, the Talchin final will be the precursor to that game, right? Which is a good st- setting for it because it'll probably be a full house in Grove Park. 
but you're talking about program editors or newspaper editors, and you're going to be doing preview pieces or review pieces in that week. And it's Dublin versus Kerry. And then in the Talchon Cup final, it's Cavan versus Westmead. Now, what's, what's, what, what's the coverage? What's, what's the coverage split going to be well, there, mate? Like, on a, like for a Sunday newspaper, which I'd speak to kind of primarily, like it's a Saturday game, so it gets a report and that'll be a lot. That'll be your lot. The previous Sunday is too far away. And funny enough, back the years, there was a hell of a lot more room for, I mean, the review after the, we said the Sunday matches and then you'd go the following weekend and you might have a look back at a significant game. And if there was a big game coming the following Saturday, you might look ahead to that game on the previous Sunday. But that space is all, that's long gone. Like that day is gone because of the nature of podcasts and immediate media. People Mm. have already had a conversation. And and in all these podcasts and the build up to that week, and all these fellas that are giving out about X, Y, and Z, they're only going to be talking about Dublin and Kerry. Like, with all due respect, they, they, but they I think, will. and then it'll be a little throwaway for the last couple of minutes at the end. Well, how do we think the Talchin's going to go, lads? Ah, sure, you know, I'll be got to be gosh. But like, the thing is, like, this is year one of, of this competition. It has no heritage. Yeah. It has no previous. The only previous we have is the likes of a Tommy Murphy mm. club. But equally, like, I remember. It's actually only come up in conversation bizarrely last year or last week, I should say. But Leitrim won an All Ireland B title of mm-hmm. 91. And yeah. I remember very, very well as a kid seeing that up on 6 1 News or whatever. And it was mm-hmm. a big, big deal at the time. Leitrim winning an All Ireland one Connacht kind of three years later. Well, you know, all I'm saying is that like we people can kind of just dismiss the concept of a Talchin Cup for whatever reason they want, right? Mm-hmm. But it's year one of a competition that's never really existed before. Um, And it's here now. So for teams, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, as far as I can see, as far as I'm concerned, if a county team and manager and players, if they're serious about getting better and ambitious for themselves, surely they would like to have another month together training. Surely they would like to have a game or two extra to get to know each other a bit more, gel together, and try and finish their season at at a better ending than what they've just had in the yeah, championship. I think that's a fair And you point. will have and you will have teams, for example, like Cavan, who will have the resources to go, well, let's let's try some younger guys now. But you'll also have other teams who will look at this going, let's give this a go. Like yeah. I mean, you have a Westmead or an Antrim or any of those teams yeah. who may, who might like to have a crack and it could really mean something to them if they won it, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I think Mick, the dynamic there is really where the current relationship with the manager and the players sits, you know, yeah. I, I genuinely think two thirds of the teams will give it a go and they will treat it. But I do think there will be possibly four or five teams that might lose players to the US, you know, might might be significantly weakened and might just roll over. You know what I mean? And yeah. it, it, like it might, it might, it will pick up probably. Hopefully, you get the semi final final stages. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how teams treat it. You just hope they treat it. Like lads. Like I don't know, this is it was it was more complicated than just this. But like back in the eighteen nineties, right when the GA Championship was getting up and running, Connacht and Ulster didn't take part for a few years. You know, so like again, that was a competition that was just finding its way at that stage. This is a competition that's just fine. and you're and Kieran, like Kieran, you're absolutely right. Of course, lads would walk off, and some managers would go, "Ah, fuck this, I'm done anyway. I'm out of here." Mm-hmm. And that would be the case maybe for year one. Could be the case for year two. Could be the case year three. But if the thing like. Basically, it won't work. You can do all the marketing the words you want. You can put it on TV. You can bore people stupid about it. But it won't work unless players and counties and the G itself just go with it. 
And yeah. to be honest, which is, I think, I think this is a stepping stone towards something else, right? I don't think there's any going back from here, right? So this is where we are now. And this is what's happening. And this is the competition, lads. So either go with it or you're not worked. I, there's, no, there's no point in wasting time on these yeah. counties anymore if they're not going to actually accept a second tier competition. This is what most counties have been looking for. Yeah, it's a viable, and the only way it's going to be made viable is if they make it viable by committing and having a go. And you're right that I, you won't, you're not going to get buy-in from 17 counties here. But as long as you get a buy-in from enough, and that yeah. it's a meaningful competition at the later stages, then next year another few counties say, "Well, Jesus, wasn't it great to see Wexford win the Charlton Cup? We'd like to have win you that seen next the, year." Have you? Has anyone seen the trophy, or do we know what that looks like? <laughs> No, I hope it looks like the URC trophy, which looks like a Bluetooth speaker should, or a flycatcher. Should, shouldn't that be, you know, yeah, but like this your... comes back to the whole issue of, I mean, and I, I don't like to want too much about the marketing of it, of marketing competitions and stuff, but like we live in an age where like GA media is so, it's a depressing, it's a depressing enough area to work in now in terms of access and so on and so forth. This is one thing, the Talchin Cup is one thing that the GA could have been sort of just like a soft launch almost just let people know like 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 we say we, we weren't aware of this north south split a lot of people aren't aware of the ins and outs of how it works they haven't seen the trophy um and as you said the draw we were not aware of the draw it's just small things it doesn't need to be a big trumpety affair it's just kind of keep just little mm. bits and pieces keeping people informed that this thing is happening and not talk and not sort of and it's and it's okay as well for people to talk about uh oh god i hope we avoid the we want to win our championship game we don't want to fall into the Hatching cup that's fine but if you do go into it, now you're here, let's, yeah. let's, let's do it. You know? let's, um, let's finish up with a word then on matters that, from Parky Ring on Saturday night. And uh, I'll, I'll start with Jay Wheelow. They don't, uh, the, lad, the lads done their best to waste the time there. So they <laughs> like, uh, we're we're yeah. filibustering like hell. Do you want to go back to the Talton Cup, lads? No? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been loads more to say about it. Loads more. <laughs> <laughs> Look, could you let us keep talking about the Talton As 12, as 12 point defeats go, lads, it wasn't, wasn't the worst one you've suffered. You know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to take the piss here. Like, like mm. for 50 minutes, like the, the, the 15 or 16, if you count the goalkeeper players that were sent out to begin with by Cork, performed admirably against the 15 that started for Kerry Wheelow. Like, there, there is yeah. something in that. And there's no shortage of footballers in Cork, so let's build a squad. Um, there's there's definitely an interesting question about who should be on the sideline next year, because clearly, clearly he has something about him. Um, so look, it's a 12-point beating, and I don't expect the two lads to be happy about it. But at the same time, yeah. I think for, for a lot of us, for 50 minutes, we were pleasantly surprised. I know. Listen, Cork, Cork can definitely take something from Saturday. There's no doubt about it. Like, look how they were coming into the game. You know, the, the key guys coming in with injuries. You know, they'd struggled in the league, trying to bring new guys through. Uh, confidence low. Kerry coming down to their own backyard, and I think, you know, they had to. They had to. It was very. They had so many problems coming into the game. How are they gonna? How are they gonna hold the Kerry forward line? How are they gonna win midfield? And did they have the forwards up front? And I suppose they went one way about it. Defensively, they they certainly probably showed that what Kerry don't like is when their space is closed down and make it difficult for them. And Sean Powder, you know, filled that role excellently for fifty eight minutes, uh, and really made it difficult. Uh, and unfortunately. You know, it's very hard. You can work on something uh, over a short period of time. Uh, John Cleary can, but it's very hard to, to solve all the problems, Mikey. They still have problems in the middle of the park. Um, Maguire was carrying a hand injury. And then up front, I just thought, 
they just lacked a bit of imagination and probably carried the ball into the tackle. They didn't have any strike runners. They got turned over a good bit. You know, Sherlock done well, Cotlo Manny done well, but they were just limited. And I think when you stand back, they, they when you stand back and you look at the Kerry bench, you know, and they're bringing on David Moore and Paul Ganey and Paul Murphy and Michal Burns, you know, when a Cork team is fatiguing and getting tired, they just blew them out of, out of the water in the last 15 minutes. But there's definitely something they can take from the game because I think standing back, if you had to say, and I'd be interested in what the lads have to say, but sometimes when you reflect and you look at performance, all you want is a bit of effort and a bit of endeavour and guys that actually play for the jersey. And I think you could fairly say that Cork delivered in that regard. They're up against the favourites for the All-Ireland Championship and there's just a huge gulf between the two teams at the moment. Mick, yeah. that's yeah. Look, fair point, isn't it? Well, yeah, look, I mean, look, Kerry are 12 points a better team than Cork if you had if you had if you had you know any conversations before the game you couldn't even put a number on it like I mean I mean but I mean in terms of numbers actually I mean it, it is worth considering like I did a tot up last week of the amount of players that have been injured for Cork in the last six to eight months plus Killian O'Hanlon who did his cruise shit last April so they were they've had 20 different injuries and I'm not talking about players who are kind of half in half out a lot of these guys are starters right so they had 20 injuries they got nine of them back for last weekend squad there's nine more players that if i named them off you'd recognize all the names that aren't involved either they were dropped retired or have withdrawn uh you have the manager getting ill obviously john cleary stepping in now john cleary's assistant manager and in fairness would have been a a, a guy who would have been certainly in line to take this job as manager uh, quite a few times before this so i'd have no doubts about his pedigree or what he can bring to the, the thing and then like i mean it kind of all comes down i mean you know they lose their goalie after 25 minutes, and you're looking at the sub-goalie, Dylan Foley, who plays for Aero Og as a corner forward. I'm not sure he's ever played for Cork before, certainly not in goals. I think he came through UCC. It's where they would have seen him this year, and they were so badly caught for goalkeepers, they brought him in, and all of a sudden, he's in for three quarters of a match against Kerry. So, like, when you put all those things together, to be honest with you, Mikey, the fact that they produce a cohesive, coherent performance for that long against the quality of opposition that they did, I, I thought it was very good. Now, the big question, as always, for Cork, is what happens next. Exactly. Like, they'll go into the qualifiers. They will go in as one of the lower-ranked teams in the qualifiers, obviously. Um, but it's no guarantee, even if they got one of the other lower-ranked qualifier teams, it's no guarantee that they'll win it either. Mm. They might be better off getting Mayo or someone, you know? But, look, it's... There's, the one thing that it proved again, yet again, is that there are plenty of footballers in Cork. Plenty of footballers. I also thought that physically, like they did look, I mean, there was guys like Ian Maguire and Powder should not have been playing. I mean, in terms of their injury profile. But yet Powder was like, he was outstanding. And Maguire was excellent as well. Um, but like guys physically, you could see, you could see that they were better than last year against Kerry physically. Like they're doing the work. But there's still another way to go yeah. for a lot of these lads. Yeah. And you can see, as the as the game went on, Kerry's bench was always going to do this. And as the game went on, they were starting to get, Cork were really getting battered around. But look, there's there's certainly something there. And I, I you know, I've said it before. I do think if they got a fair run with injuries and get got things in it, just stabilised, I think it could be a very quick bounce back from Cork next year. Okay. Um, but we'll see how this year goes. F- final word to you, Rory, to get Derek McGrath in here to talk about hurling. Yeah, who do, like, who do you want I, in the qualifiers? Look, I, I, I think if they're honest with themselves, if and as Mick said, if they can clear up some of those injuries, they could. I mean, like two rounds of qualifiers to make a quarter final. If they manage that, it would be a heroic season, and you just don't know what could happen in the draw. 
Um, and it, it, a few, and as I said, a few extra players to come back. And I saw Damien Gore came on. I had a lot of time for him. I think he's. Um, I think he. I think he has the potential to be a, um, an, a, another one. Another one of those really good forwards to give the likes of Stephen Sherlock and Cahill O'Mahony more of a dig out. And from what I'm hearing, Brian Hartnett, the, the midfielder from Douglas is pretty close as well. And he'll make a big difference. But I think, look, ultimately, yeah, they were the story on Saturday night. They put it up for 50 minutes. I think that's all most Cork supporters would actually look for, that you won't you give a good give it, give a good account to yourselves and you make sure that they wake up on Sunday morning feeling a bit sore. And I think they achieved that. Is a good, like it makes says, the ne- it's the next steps. I think the more interesting thing I would suggest is from a Kerry perspective, and I would have... As, as I've been consistent on this and that I do think they will win the All-Ireland but I did feel again that a team at Cork's level posed enough problems for them on Saturday night to suggest to me that a team at a much higher level is going to give Kerry plenty of it and this isn't an open and shut All-Ireland uh, race by any means No, certainly not Um or else we could just shut down the podcast, couldn't we? Anyway, we'll shut it down for you now, Wheelow. You can you can head off I'll now. We're going to talk about small ball for a while. Yeah, well, at least the car curlers weren't playing, lads. So they actually all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I come on this thing. <laughs> Good luck, Wheelow. Thanks See very you, much. Take it easy. Good luck. Bye, bye, bye. We're back and we've been joined by Derek McGrath. How are you doing, Derek? How are you doing, Mikey? How are you? And Derek's far too nice to be sagging off the two cork lads. Poor old, poor old Wheelow is giving the lads the right ribbon here, Derek, but you're too nice for that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no sport in it anymore, anyway. Um, it's we, one for Cork on Sunday, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, too, it's too early in the week for that. Too early oh, in the week. Too early. <laughs> Give the lads a break. No, we're, we're looking back here, and Derek, I think we got the result we expected, but we probably got a bit more of a match than we expected, and... Uh, Maybe there was one one question, one hope that people had about Limerick that maybe, you know, maybe this is the chink in the armour. Maybe they don't have the bench. Maybe, you know, numbers 15 to 23 aren't maybe what we think they are. Uh, I think yesterday <laughs> went a long way to uh, taking the air out of that argument, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I look, you're, you're to and fro and even kind of just thinking about it today, I suppose. You know, you hear John Coyley referencing the fact that Peter Casey's not too far away from returning. That Keen, you know, that Keane's rehab is going really well, and you're probably, you know, you're adding to the strength of the bench. Then I suppose, but look, yeah, look, I think there was real defiance in what Tiberi did yesterday with real character, a little bit of freedom there as well with the, with in the run up to the game in terms of the press coverage and and the general, you know, Move talk of demise, yeah. etc. I think they were able to respond to that, you know, very very defiantly. You know, even just noting Noel McGrath's things this morning, you know, very emotional kind of Noel McGrath. I'd always associate Noel being kind of cool and and not lacking emotion, but certainly, you know, just just let us hurry and do the talking. So for me, there was, yeah, the bench for, for Limerick undoubtedly, Conor Boylan's impact, Jamie Flanagan's impact in terms of that, the creation of that score. But I'd say, I'd say John is furious overall with Limerick's, you know, performance. You know, if I, if I was just even reading between the lines, watching his body language yesterday, you know, I'd, I don't think they were they were at the pitch of it like they normally are. You know, the intent. I think Davy Fitzgerald remarked last night, I heard him remarking that he was behind Kinnerk and Kylie at the water match. And I would have noted their intensity that night. And it was a different approach yesterday. And um, it's probably worked out for him now on the back of the end result. But yeah, I'm not so sure. I, I'm kind of, I'm all over the place today on it in terms of the bench. In fact, I think the bench when Peter Casey is there, 
that 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 changes everything really you know yeah what do what did you what did you attribute maybe the 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 lack of performance to Derek was it do you think maybe it's just a mental thing where they kind of knew they'd one foot in this in the final and perhaps they weren't like it wasn't so do or die so it's kind of you, you can't it's hard to get up for every game in a round robin or do you do you think that maybe it was it was just a was it a, a physical thing or like is it hard to put your finger on it yeah well I think it, a lot of it is attributed to Prairie's absolute will, I suppose, and their defiance and their work ethic and their energy, I suppose. You know, mm. so much as as much as you talk about the outside permeating its way into the Limerick mindset, I, you know, I heard Mike Casey interviewed afterwards and he talked about we just control it. It was all process driven as it is always with most of the winning teams. But, you know, what do I attribute it to it? I, I probably attribute it to him just being slightly off and that, that sport, I attribute it to sport, I suppose, being mm. just slightly off where you need to be, you know, and... and They'll know that and and they'll try and fix that over over the week ahead of the clear game. Yeah, uh, Mick, you know, most teams in Ireland would take being slightly off to the extent that Limerick were slightly off yesterday. They were still superb in so many aspects. And, you know, Aaron Grand's campaign to be be named Hurler of the Year before we get to the All-Ireland Series continues at pace. He was, um, he has, he's found a knack of scoring the kind of goals that, as Jackie Tyrrell said last night, would kind of give a cornerback nightmares. Um, he's just so knacky in the air. He's just, he's a, I'd say he's horrible to mark. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. Like he, um, yeah, look, I mean, on a day like that, when when the overall team, as Derek says, is probably a couple of percentage points overall off where they'd want to be physically, mentally, in terms of just handling the challenge that was put up against them, you always, you look around and you say, well, where are the couple of lads who are going to just pull him over the line in a crisis, you know? And that's where Galan came into it. I thought Declan Hannon got a crucial point as well at one stage. When, when Limerick had the opportunity to get their tails up, Hannon hit a score that really, I, I thought, even maybe more so than the goals, in, in a way, kind of really put tip back a bit. Like, and, you know, Tom Morrissey nearly, nearly scores again. Um, like, they're just, they're, they're, like I said, I think I said it on this podcast a few weeks ago. Like I don't think this championship is open and shut in terms of Limerick. I do think, like I mean, I would fancy them to win it, but I do not think it's open and shut. I didn't think it was open and shut. The minute Keane Lynch limped off, I think is significant. Um, it, it just you can't take that many hits on a squad and expect to be hitting your marks the same. So I, I would imagine that Kylie is was frustrated because I mean, for a number of different reasons. I mean, that was one game he would have loved to have seen Limerick really go, and and and. You know, put some marks on tip for all eternity, um, uh, and also just just the performance element. But look, the bench they did enough. They did enough at a time when they're suffering injuries. They stretched their bench. The bench reacted. For Tipperary, like I mean, you know, it was a day for all, everything that wasn't said about them. It you know, this season is an opportunity for young lads. It's easy just to say, yeah, it's a good opportunity now for young lads to make their mark. Well, you have to make your mark, like. So what day are you going to make your mark? And a few of them did, but. Noel McGrath again was superb. So I mean, all those conditions kind of added up to if Limerick had fallen off, if Limerick fell off at all, Tip Tip were going to were, were going to cause them a bit of a problem, and they did. Um, so, but look, Limerick got through it; they got over it. Um, and what they do next now will be is kind of up to themselves, you know. I think. Yeah. And and Tip Rory, I I um, maybe it was nothing, maybe it was something. I noticed kind of the body language of the Tip players before the match, the young fellows particularly, and. 
they they seemed relaxed. They seemed pretty kind of, you know, happy, shall we say. You know, they looked like they were going out to en- enjoy a match almost, like not that they weren't focused. Um, you know, it, it's not like these are, these are callow fellas or like this is like the campaign from hell. Like it's not going the way, the way they wanted to go. But like there's no doubting that for the likes of Jar Brown and Jake Morris and Dylan Quirk and these guys, this like this time next year, they're going to be hell of a lot better hurlers for what they've experienced. And I think we saw yesterday that it's not as if Colin Bond are like the standard of hurler in Tipperary is all of a sudden falling off a cliff. That's certainly not the case either. Yeah, and then like the, the province of Munster is just it's it's unbelievably competitive. You lose the first game, you can have a major knock-on effect in terms of confidence and everything else. And maybe that's what happened to them against Tipperary. We don't know. I thought Tip showed an unbelievable bottle yesterday and fairness to them. Like, I mean, this game was a contest right up until what was it? Was it uh was it the six was it 64, 62 or 64th minute before the first the, the, the second goal went in? And they'd missed a couple of goal chances themselves as well. And Nicky Quaid, lads. Whoa, I mean, you know, what a what a fella to stand tall, never commit, you know, top class keeper. He's but, the one uh, they don't want to get injured, Rory. Oh, I'm telling you, like, what a goalkeeper he is. He's so under... Well, no, I don't know if he is underrated. I mean, I'm sure he's not, but, I mean, Jesus, like, just to have him back there, really, for those big moments. I thought Breen maybe had another yard or two to get in, get that strike away, certainly the chance in the first half. But, um, like, the performance of Joe Brown the first half, obviously he wilted a small bit, maybe the engine blue midway through the second half and in fairness look there's no issues he had to be taken off well we, but like i think there's there's loads for tipperary i think what you I, I don't think it's a coincidence or maybe it is look Derek might be a better place to judge if you look at the three big games over the weekend football the car carry donegal cavan and limerick tip the kind of the fitter more powerful stronger team playing at a higher level team together longer team with a better conditioning program I don't think it's a coincidence that in the last 10 or 15 minutes of all three matches the the the, the, the more fancy team pulls away um, now <clears throat> there was an element of luck maybe with Donegal but it still happened you know it wasn't that Cavan got the stroke of luck so I don't know. I don't. I like. I. I, ju- I think that's the gap that these teams kind of have to bridge. You did get a sense, as as heroic as Tipperary were at times, to go down there. And another thing, by the way, which I think Paddy Mar made comments on, their support was terrible, lads. I mean, terrible. Like, I mean, that was effectively fifteen Tipperary players. Like, there might have been there was twenty seven thousand at the game. Was there four thousand, five thousand from Tipperary? You know, so like they were also battling against you know, a rabid and feral home crowd. Like, they, they did everything stacked against them. And I thought they played, they played out of their skins. They they left it out there. I think whatever happens from here, I think they can take a bit more from the championship than maybe people were giving them credit for going into the game. Yeah. Derek, do we ascribe too much to, kind of too, too much credit to, to the bench when maybe, as Rory says, what we're actually talking about is just the... Not just fitness, but like kind of almost the clarity of purpose, I suppose, for a team that, you know, we're, we're leveled, there's 10 minutes left, we're not going to panic, we're going to keep doing what we do. And, and maybe there is also that little bit, you know, kind of the strength and, and conditioning element comes into it too, yeah. that a game like, you know, as a Dale always said, Hurland's a, a mad game where crazy things happen and after 70 minutes somebody wins it like a game of hurling you can stay on the coattails of a team that are better of you than, than you to the last 10 minutes but those last 10 minutes really are kind of the making and breaking of it yeah and 
you also take the management team into account. Like I think John is in his sixth year. Am I right? So now, that's, is it six years? Yeah, 17, yeah. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, you know, and 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 you know, you're finding a way over those five or six years to cope with those particular things. You know, the mechanisms to cope. And the other thing, I suppose, psychologically, outside of the the the, the strength and conditioning difference, you take you think there was a brilliant moment in the game yesterday where Connor Stakelham actually barreled. Sean Finn out over the line. Yeah. Sean, he was actually slightly late, I thought, you know, and, and, and slightly late with the fact that he kind of Sean Finn played it ahead of himself and Stakeland came in. And it was kind of a moment where he was kind of saying, not that we don't respect you, but, you know, it was a moment where he's kind of saying, I'm here now and I'm gonna I'm having an impact on this. But invariably what happens then, and, and I'd notice from 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 the point of view of it remind me of not remind me, but when we played Kilkenny in 16, we were trying to find a way to compete with Kilkenny having won the league in 15 and we were kind of building a nice little bit of a rivalry. And then when you, you nearly have it done, you almost think it's enough after 61 or 63. You're kind of nearly, you know, you know, indirectly kind of patting yourself on the back. I'm not saying that was happening with Tip now, but it was kind of, you almost think you have it, whereas the, the champion team kind of just stays at it, keeps persevering the same way. And psychologically, you almost feel watching it yesterday. You know, I, I don't know. What it, obviously, these conversations don't permeate their way to the field. Like, but my wife just says to me, "I know they'll pull away now." You know, <laughs> you know, and it sounds, no. it sounds crazy. Like Sarah, she just turned to me and said, "I know they'll pull away now. They'll pull away." You know, and and I suppose we, we we're fast forwarding our own mindset down here in Waterford, saying, "What well, you kind of say to yourself, right? You have to make your play almost." between the 60th and 70th minute when you have that's the time you have to kind of be going away from you know because it, it seems that if you're in the mix there that that things will change you know that you have to be far enough ahead of them like, like Cork almost were in 06 or 07 I can't remember when they were that all Ireland where, where it was, you know Brian Corkins all Ireland as I call it and Joe Dean's all Ireland Niall McCarthy's all Ireland where, where you're yeah 04 was it you know you're kind of so I think that's that's where it's at so to answer your question there's a psychological difference as well in, in being that underdog all week that are producing this really proud performance I'm not saying you settle for that because Colin Bonner said afterwards look we want to we came here to win and we're disappointed but how disappointed are they in, in that they did get a, a proud performance with, with little or no Tipperary following down there and the response will be now that Noel McGrath came out and was emotive Porig Mar came out and backed that up and the Tipperary people will roll in behind him on the back of really good minor and under 20 performances too yeah Mick um John Kiley won't be happy. Like, there's a lot to not be happy about. Certainly, the result was good, and as always, the old cliche is oh, they'll learn plenty from it. If it'd been a straightforward win, you know they've learned nothing. But like, just looking at the stats from it, like, thirteen of Tipperary's points came from turnovers, which mm. against this Limerick team, that seems like an awful lot. That sounds like a a good day at the office for Tip, but like for Limerick and the way they play and how they have carved out their success that's an awful lot of ball to be given up yeah but isn't it nice to you know have that experience and still be winning mm -hmm. you know um you, you know all things are equal the, the the ship is still sailing if they had lost like uh it'd be a fascinating conversation this 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 week about them if, if, if tip had pulled it off hey mick this conversation is still fascinating what are you all about? Well, it is. It's even, I, I mean <laughs> enthralling <laughs> well, it would have blown. It would have. It would have blown the monster championship wide no. open, and that was kind of I was sitting there watching. I was going, Jesus, wouldn't this be fantastic if Tip could manage to do this? But they didn't. Did that feel weird, Rory? <laughs> well, <laughs> it, yeah. well, do you know what? I actually, I was kind of rooting for Tip. One stage, I was saying, Jesus, my grand, that must have turned at least twice in his grave there, and I'm going to have to go home and have a good shower yeah. tonight. <laughs> but like they look, they they yeah, look, it was. 
Yeah, for Limerick, like, look, I, I just think, I just think that they're at the stage now. They're at, they're at a cruising altitude where um, they have, they will will games their way. They're at their, they're, they're at a peak um, where they are that little bit further ahead mentally and physically of all the teams. And, and as Derek said, I think that that is really, really relevant, and actually is quite relevant to, to the football games as well. That sense of a team coming and bringing a performance that no one expected. And that they're even their own people didn't expect. And that, I mean, you know, I always think of what are, what are lads hearing at home like? You know, what are they hearing when they go to the shop in Tarlis or in wherever, you know, Nina, whatever it is? Like, fellas are saying, Asher, ah, sure, look at if you put up a performance, it would be great, you know, and, and look at hopefully it'll go well. And, and that's where they were at at 65 minutes, you know, it's that sort of having that experience and that sort of just sheer, just hard headedness. To go, we can take these guys. We've done it. We can take, and we know we can. And it's that knowing, it's that knowing. Whereas Limerick know, Limerick know that if they stick to the processes and if if they trust Dermot Burns on the freeze from distance and if and Hannon gets his score and Galan gets in behind the cornerback and if and the, the cornerback takes a chance, doesn't win it out front. Galan's hand is good enough to get it. You have a guy like Boylan come off the bench, and I thought that was a great finish for the goal he got as well. Like mm. they just have those little minds. They have the players to produce those little moments that. That make all the difference. So, like, I think they'll be like he'd be. It's a great stick to be able to bait the boys. Oh, yeah. Now yeah, for the next Derek, month or so, it's Derek, terrific. Yeah, yeah. A word on that that goal that uh, Mick just mentioned though. It was it was just fabulous to see it in real time. Like Grohl Hegarty, I know they analyzed it last night as well. Grohl Hegarty, you know, he went he went to pass the quick off his left, and actually he paused, took a step back, one of his giant yeah. giant steps back, and then pinged the ball with his right to Flanagan, who who controlled it. Amazingly, it wasn't the best pass. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, controlled it, and then he pinged the ball across uh, to um, Boylan, who again the control wasn't fan- like he, he dropped the pass, but he had the wherewithal to finish. It was just the imperfections in that goal almost made it all the more perfect. Yeah, and I don't think Guru gets enough credit for that kind of subtlety in his play. He's he's like he's got great timing. He's got he's great a, hands. He's, so much skill. Yeah, he, he like he, he bounces the ball off the ground. He picks it up, chopping it off the ground. And we just take it for granted. Like he does it. He does it as part of his game. You know, he's just, mm. he's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant skill. You know, and to be able to take that second in a game of intercounty yeah. hurling is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and delighted for Connor Boyle as well because he fits into the category of a guy that's not quite, you know, at it in terms of scoring wise. You know, and you know, even being able to recover from from the from the kind of mishandling, I suppose. Yeah, really good goal. Two things I noted, or a couple of things I noted about Limerick yesterday, just in terms of the evolution of of their overall game. One. They weren't as emotive as they were against Waterford. Like right? I think we've taken note, they weren't as kind of passionate, almost monster like in rugby. When they're at that, they're very, very dangerous, right? And, and maybe they didn't have to be, right? So the other thing was the development of their, their little stick passing as opposed to the hand pass. They've, they've they're a team that have reacted best so far to, to the constant whistling in terms of the hand passing. If you know Tom Morrissey mm. was, well, I think he was blown for three against Waterford, right? I watched the first ball he got yesterday. He has a very distinct way of hand passing. Now, I think it's a hand pass all along, but I'm one of the only guys that thinks it's a hand pass all along, but that's that's fine. But he definitely altered it yesterday. They went with lots of little brick flicks, as we call it down here, little side flicks, getting it out fast, out the, out the traps. So I'd imagine they've worked brilliantly on that over, over the last, um, you know, the last couple of weeks. They've discussed that just from a skill point of view. They seem to be the team that, are even a couple of times, Carl O'Neill actually bounced, one bounced on the ground and he, he, he volleyed it straight away. And, you know, just little little things I'd imagine that their coaching team and Canark in particular would have been working um, on over the year. And then it's the Galan finishes. You know, a couple of kicks he had against Cork in 18 where he kicked it wide, I think, in, um, you know, when he caught a couple in behind Connor Splann, I think, or in behind Cullum Splann, sorry. 
um, in that famous semi-final. I think he put a couple wide that day after winning him in behind. And, and um, you know, to see that little shot and the hurry just to finish on the two episodes, two times he got in behind, deadly from behind. He'd be telling him back every now and again, get out in front every now and again. And then, you know, concede the point by having him from, from you know, you have to be able to think he was lucky? Up. Did you think he was lucky not to be sent off, Derek? I, I didn't. I agreed with the lads now, especially when it was slowed down. I thought a um, bit of frustration there initially from the first the play previous, which wasn't kind of shown last night, I think. There was there was a bit of niggle there from the show, uh, and he came out with fur. He came out with vigor. Came out with intent. I thought, but I thought he changed that as he knew what was kind of coming just before the pull. And and I think the key thing was the two hands went to one handed, almost went to a one handed flick. So I, I thought he was. I thought it was yellow now. To be fair. Uh, that was my expert analysis at the time as well. I was very glad to hear the pundits row in behind me, but I thought the fact that he took the second hand off the hurl was a kind of sign that he wasn't actually trying to maim anybody personally. I don't know, Mick. What did you think? No, I was. I I, I thought it was all right. Monster hurling, for God's sake. <laughs> on that note, that 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 Swiss Army knife of a phrase. It's one, Monster one, hurling one, after one, all. What one last one last point, though, Mikey. And again, like I'm like a broken record now on this, but. I mean, Tipperary's inter-county season and hurling and tip, we'll say, effectively is over on the 8th of May. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I just don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah. it is just madness. Anyway. <laughs> They'll row in behind the footballers, Rory. Yeah. Bonkers. <laughs> like, like, the hurt, to my mind, right, I genuinely think this. The hurling fraternity shouldn't actually accept this. Yeah. They should be going in and saying, listen, we know whatever about your split season. We're starting our championship in May and we're running right through to August. Like, it is madness. Utter madness. Okay. I think you, your views are well known. And uh, I think we'll have to see how it all, the, rest of it sh- the rest of it pairs out. We might forget the kind of chilly, the chilly round robin stages of the championship if we get an All-Ireland series to dream of. But uh, Derek, you're kind of shaking your head too. Yeah, I, I, I'm on that. I've been on that for a while. Even when I was managing mm. Waterford, I was. I don't think the club players should be allowed to go back to Patrick's Day in terms of the pre-season. Should be Patrick's Day to, to you know March, April, May. I think that we should only be starting around Robin, you know, end of May, May middle of May. Yeah. I think there's you know there's time for that. There's time for a, maybe a reduced league. But look, I've written about it before. I've spoken about it before, so I'm repeating myself. So yeah. you know, mid, yeah. it, middle of August championship, and I you know I I I've probably. I've, I, I, I'm probably the least decorated intercounty player that's on this podcast every now and again. I've only been so I've been a club player for twenty years, like you know. Yeah, and yeah. I can tell you, I can tell you sometimes the county players come back to us over the years with with De La Salle and basically, you know, you know, we're told we're told that there's a break anyway, like you know, but we we need a break anyway for the shutdown and holiday, factory holidays, all the different holidays. So sometimes this the whole kind of the club scene I think can be can be over. Over egged by, but you know, and that's the same. We're not, we're not, we're not all dedicated to our clubs. But I, you know, if you have a definite split, but having having Tipperary out, having possibly Cork out, um, next next after next Sunday on the fifteenth of May. No hurling till next February. Like I think it's nearly no. is it the best part of nine months or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like like see the thing for me is there's a games promotional aspect to all of this. You know, like hurling is a very. I just I I don't. I, I don't know who, who, how was this allowed? I just don't get it. I just. He's gone up an octave. Anyway, we're, we're gonna, yeah. 
we'll be back to it. I know, of course, we, 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 we touch on it every few weeks, but we'll be back to it again, no doubt. Um, but like I said, I think uh, the proof will be in the All-Ireland series pudding as well. A lot, a lot of things that happen at the start of the summer get forgotten by the end of it, as we all know very well just, at this stage. They're just damn lucky that there's not a World Cup on in the summertime. I'm telling you. That's true. Richard, they dodged a massive bullet on that one. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Look, we'll be back with you all on Thursday to look ahead to the weekend's matches and uh, including, obviously, Watford and Cork. And uh, we'll chat to you then. So thank you to Derek and to Mick and to Rory and to Wheelow earlier. And we'll chat to you on Thursday. Good luck. Bye. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! It's over the ball!